Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, turn with me, if you would. Let's go to John chapter 10 very quickly. John chapter 10 and verse 10, and we want to again read the passage we started with last night. John chapter 10, verse 10. The Spirit of God spoke to me coming into the year 2016. As I said last night, that this year is a year of abundance. And that doesn't mean that abundance ends at the end of the year. It just means that God's wanting us to emphasize becoming skillful with it. Because there's abundance out ahead of us. And uh, it belongs to us. And so we have to be uh, skillful with operating in that, receiving that, and being a conductor of that abundance. Not just a receiver, but also a conductor. How many of you know faith goes in two directions? In the receiving and the sending. Amen? So we we not only want to receive abundance, we want to send abundance. Amen, and, and, and be an abundant giver. But here in uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus was speaking, and he said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice this. Uh, Jesus says that there's life to be had. If you're born again, you have that life. But now he's telling you that it can flow abundantly. So it can flow in a measure, uh, a less measure or a greater measure. But what is the measure God has planned for us? An abundant measure of that life flowing. Amen. But notice this, Jesus in the first phrase is letting us know there's an enemy to your abundance. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he coming to steal, kill, and destroy so that you don't get in that flow of abundance? He does not want you flowing in abundance. If abundance is flowing in your life, that means every need fully supplied. Abundance flowing in this church, every need fully supplied. The vision fully funded. Amen. Any program, anything that your pastor wants to do, if he wanted to build something, if he wanted to take a trip, he should easily be able to get up and and we are present with our abundance ready to fund that thing. Amen. But Jesus is letting you know that there is an enemy to your abundance. And uh, religious devils don't like abundance. Amen. But I wanted to read to you uh, something that a staff member handed me just several weeks ago. And this was taken from a sermon that Smith Wigglesworth preached at Angelus Temple. Now, Angelus Temple is the church in, in Los Angeles that Amy Simple McPherson built and started. And Smith Wigglesworth was there several times, and he said the greatest anointing he ever had was there at Angelus Temple. And uh, one of the things that she said is, of course, under her platform, uh, she had a room called the 500 room. And that was uh, where they would gather to pray under, uh, after, during every service. And she had 24-hour prayer going on. So uh, during every service, there would be people in the room beneath the platform praying for that service. And she called it the power plant. 
that down below in that prayer room was the power plant. And that was, if I could say this, fueling what's going on in this service. And so no wonder Smith Wigglesworth said that it was the strongest anointing that he experienced there was in her church. But he was preaching this sermon, and I wanted to take just an excerpt out of it, if I could, and read it to you. He said this, the last days, aren't you glad? He was talking about our day. He said, the last days are a time... For the true people of God. Who are the true people of God? Well, how about people with the spirit of faith? Amen. The last days are a time for the true people of God to engage in extravagant asking. Don't you like that phrase? Ladies, you ought to like that word extravagant. Surely you people that have been asking great things from God for a long time would be amazed if you entered into it with clear knowledge of the mightiness of the power of God, of the joint union with Him, that nothing is impossible for you to ask. Surely it is He only who would say, Hitherto you have asked nothing. So basically he's saying this, that Jesus said, Jesus could say to you, based on what is available to you, what you've asked is absolutely nothing compared to what's available to you. Amen. If we, if we really believe that you shall have, you ask, you shall have. If we really believe that, how much more would we be asking for? Amen. Amen. You know, Dad Hagen made a statement and he said this. He said, not many people believe they receive when they pray. Now, that's a big statement. Not many people believe. They receive when they pray. If we believe, as it said over there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will or according to His word, He, hear, he hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have. The petitions we desired of Him. If we really believed... I said, if we really believed that he would answer everything we asked that was in line with his word, if we really believed that, I said, if we really believed that, what would we be asking for? And this is what he's talking about. He says that people and base believers, Christians, that based on what's available, it's as though we've asked nothing of what is available to us. And then he goes on and he makes this final statement. And he says, so God means to, means me to press you to another step forward, beginning to believe on an extravagant asking, believing that God is pleased when you ask large. Amen. Uh, I was watching, I was watching a cooking show, you know, cooking shows and HGTV about all that goes on around, you know, in my home, HGTV, HGTV, that means Holy Ghost TV. And then I watched the cooking because it makes me feel domestic. It, you know, you can almost smell it. Grant came in one day. I was watching, you know, the food channel. And he said, I don't know why you watch that. You don't ever cook that stuff. I said, because I'm, at least I know I'm not a doer. Right. 
I don't try to pretend to be a doer. I know I'm not a doer. I, I can watch it without being a doer. <laughs> but I was watching the other day, not intending to be a doer. And this one, they were having a, a food competition. And they had one of the leading chefs in the industry there. And this gal had won a competition there on that show to where she got to have that leading chef for, say, like five minutes in her kitchen. So she was making a dish, but she got the resource of this world-famous chef to throw into the competition working for her. And so that's a, that's a win. When you get a chef, a world-famous chef, get to add, getting to add to your kitchen to help you make anything. And so when she came over, she said, what do you want me to do for you? You assign me. What do you want me to do for you? And she said, well, you can cut up this and you can cut up that. And the lady's going, really? I am the leading chef and you want me to cut up something. And the girl didn't get it. She didn't get it. And she ended up losing, although she had the world-famous chef in her kitchen because she did not utilize, and it was really an insult for her to ask her to cut up something. I wonder how much our asking really is an insult to what God is capable of. Anybody know what I mean by that? When we have, do you not understand, if she would have said... I don't know how to do this. Do this for me. If she had said to this chef, do something big and elaborate, I give you free license in this kitchen for the next five minutes. Pull out your best dish, your biggest dish, and bring out every skill you have. That would have complimented that chef, but rather she ended up insulting her ability. So when we ask small or ask nervously, or ask hesitantly, or ask with restraint. Are we not really insulting the one who's made all available to you? Now, do you understand why Smith Wigglesworth said this when he said that God is pleased when we ask large? Why? Because you're telling him, if I'm asking large, it's because I believe you can do large. And if you ask small, you're telling him you only believe he can do small. Amen. It matters how you ask. And it matters how big you ask because it's showing what you believe he is capable of. Your asking shows what you believe. It doesn't show what he can do. It shows what you believe. And this is what he said. He said, Smith Wigglesworth said, I believe God is pressing me to press you to ask larger. Amen. Along the lines of extravagant asking. I was reading the uh, biography of um, Frida Lindsay. Just I read a portion of it. And she was uh, uh, Gordon Lindsay's wife. Gordon Lindsay was the man who headed up the um, Voice of Healing. And that was an organization of about 125 ministers in the healing revival. William Branham and Jack Coe and A.A. Allen and all these leading healing revivalists were part of this voice of healing. But Gordon Lindsay also wrote many, many books. He put out one book a month for, and I mean, just scores of books that he put out. Well, he ended up dying uh, maybe in his uh, late 50s, early 60s, and he had a Bible school in place. And so Frida Lindsay became the, his wife became the head of this. 
Well, one day the Spirit of God spoke to her because their, their Bible school was growing. And uh, the Spirit of God spoke to her and said, uh, uh, see that hotel across the street? And it was a Hilton hotel. And he said, I'm going to give you that hotel for uh, living accommodations for your students. Well, she went to her staff, and there was one particular staff member, uh, I believe was a family member, and she told him about that, and he just really reprimanded her for how daring you uh, want something that large, you know, uh, to make us responsible for. But she said, uh, she just said, I don't care what you say. God told me he's going to give it to me. We're going to have it. And she ended up with it. Why? Because she was willing to ask larger than others around her were willing to even reach for. Listen, there are small thinking people all around. Leave the ranks of that. I, listen, I was raised in a, in a smaller community, precious people there. And I didn't move to get away from the people because the people were so sweet. But I moved to get into more of what was not available to me there. I wanted more than what that community was reaching for. And I ended up leaving there when I was 17 because I saw so many people restricted in their asking, restricted in what their desires were. They had just a little bit, and that's all they wanted was a little bit. And that's fine if, you, if your joy is full at that. But listen, God has plans and things for you to fund things that are bigger than what is just within your circle. God has big plans for this church, big vision for this church, big plans. For, God wants you to be a, if I could say this, a game stock to this community of what God will do. Amen. He wants you to, he wants you to loom large in this community. Amen. So it's not just about what you're content with. It's about enlarging yourself for the sake of what you're connected to. Amen. Wanting more because you're, you're hooked up with something big. Listen, you're not hooked up to something small here. Amen. Now, Mark 11, go with me if you would. Mark 11, and we, I want you to see something here. Uh, that a lot of people really, I don't know that they emphasize as they ought. But Mark 11 and verse 24, and we won't take time to read this whole passage preceding verse 24, but we'll get... Right to the 24th verse, it says, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Notice, notice the, the important ingredients or elements in this verse. What things soever you desire, number one. When you pray, number two. Believe, number three, that you receive them. And number four, you shall have them. Number four is God's part. Number four is the result of you doing steps one, two, and three. One, one, two, and three is number one, desire something. Number two, it's pray or talk to God about that. Number three is believe that you receive. So notice this, we have focused on, and rightly so, we have focused on believe you receive it. But we can't miss out and overlook, number one, what things ever you desire. You will never believe for what you don't desire. You will never reach for what you don't have a desire for. You understand that? You have to desire something or your faith will never even go there. 
Faith is number three in the list. Desire is number one in the list. I have learned as a pastor over 25 years, I've got to get the people's desire enlarged. I've got to get them wanting more than what they have. So many are so okay with marriages that are full of strife and full of difficulty. I don't understand that, but there are people who are okay with that. They are okay with not ever having anything uh, uh, nice or new or... They just have enough, just enough. And the thing is, is that that's fine if you're content with that, but then what kind of supply can you bring to the local church when all you want is you just have enough? Why are you okay with having kids that talk back to you and kids that run the street and kids that their lives end up going a different direction? Why are you okay with that when you have something else available to you and to your family? So the number one thing that I deal with is not only getting faith in people, but getting something beyond their own, uh, them seeing beyond just that little circle they live in to want more than what they have. Desire more than what they have. This is what Smith Wigglesworth was talking about. Those in the last days, they're going to have to be someone who will reach beyond what previous generations even reached for. Because there's something that is particular to the last days that it's not particular to previous days. Amen. Dr. Summerall said, God, whatever you're doing on this earth, don't leave me out. And so many people are left out because all they want is their little four and no more. They just want to go to work. They want to come home and watch TV. Then they want to, you know, go to have a nice supper and have some family time, go to bed. And they just want that. But if I could interest you that God wants something supernatural. God wants something dynamic. God wants something that will cause you to produce something in this earth. To want more, to desire more, and don't look to other people's desires to measure what you'll desire. Because there are a lot of people who think small, but God invites you to think large. Amen. Listen, uh, whenever, you know, whenever my husband went home to be with the Lord, we were finishing up a, a building and we were able to finish that. And uh, we were able to finish what God had for us. I had no idea that God would give us more assignments like that. But the other day I was sitting in my bedroom, the other day, several months ago, and I was looking out because the home that I'm in is, is, is on a lake. It's on a top of a hill. And so I can get the whole view of the lake. And I looked across there, and there's an old historical building over there that they built it to be a country club in the 1920s. And it's a wonderful building. And it still sits on, it sits on 42 acres that there's nothing, de, you know, developed uh, real close to it. And so that's kind of unusual for, for that area around the lake to have something. It's all lakefront. And so this, this property looms large just because it's undeveloped. It's just sitting there, and then this big, wonderful building is on it. And it's not been, it's not been ac- or utilized since the 70s. So I'm looking out across that lake in my eyes. It just, it's parallel right across from my house. And on the other side of the lake, I looked at it, and when my eyes fell upon it, the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, Do you want that building? And I go, Oh, yeah, I want that building. <laughs> Well, that will, be, that will be about a 10 to 15 million at least dollar project. That's the biggest thing our ministry has ever undertaken. But why do I think that just because my husband's here, we can't be doing larger than what we did when he was here? You say, well, what would it be? Well, it's the, it'll be the Bible school and it will be the, the, uh, the living quarters for the students. It will be... 
And then not, not only that, because it's a historical building, everybody in that entire valley knows that building. It has its own notoriety built into it. It's a fabulous building. So I'm going to turn the, the main floor into public spaces. I'm going to put a restaurant in there. I'm going to put shops in there. I'm going to put a spa in there. Why? Wow, let, the, let, the, let the sinners fund the thing. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Well, you have to put a transaction in place for that funding to be transferred. Believers just sit at home and say, well, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Yeah, but not while you're sitting home. There has to be a transaction. So I'm giving a location for a transaction. I just want to be vulgar in my asking. Amen. I want to offend people with what I ask for. I want to offend small thinking people who are okay with just living in their little small quarters and they don't want anything more. Listen, there is so much more available to you. And it pleases God when you ask large because you are bragging on God who is able to do large when you ask large. Amen. God said that to me. I don't, I don't know. It was like on a, uh, I don't know if it's on a, like a Friday or something on Sunday morning. I'm in there talking to it about the congregation. I said, don't you choke. Don't you choke. I don't want to hear any gurgling sounds coming. God has been putting faith in us so that we would move into more than what we've ever had. Your pastor has been putting faith in you for years, not so you could stay where you're at, but so you could ask larger, believe larger, bring more faith to the vision that God has given this place, bring more faith to what God has assigned your pastors to do. And it is an insult to the, the, the revelation and the teaching you've had if you just sit back and just say, oh, I'm, just, I'm okay with where I'm at. It's an insult. Amen. God put more in us so we could produce more. Remember, remember, uh, remember what it says is it over in Deuteronomy. Remember it is the Lord thy God who giveth thee power to get wealth. What? that you may establish his covenant on the earth. The actual does not say it is God who gives thee power to get wealth. The, 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 the original reads this way, it is God who gives you power to produce wealth, that you may establish his covenant. Why? It's not just about getting it for yourself, it's about producing it. That God will give you divine ideas, God will give you financial opportunities. If you'll have the faith to walk through them, you'll start producing. Not just getting wealth to pay your bills, but producing wealth that, that supplies for you and others who are hungry to hook up with that will get their lives affected by what you're producing. Amen. Well, what am I going to do when I, when I get hold of that building? Uh, right before the service, the owner called me. I didn't take his phone call because I'm coming to the service. But uh, I'm making steps. You say, how much? You, you got the, all that money? I don't have a dime of it. God did not ask me, can you afford that building? He said, do you want that building? I'm not going to ask what God didn't ask. If he didn't bring it up, why should I? Listen, my husband used to take, there were times that if he needed something, you know, at the mall and, you know, maybe he needed some new shirts or a suit or something and he knew I was going to the mall and he would go with me to the mall and I would try on clothes, you know, and uh, <clears throat> then I'm, I'd maybe plan, you know, I'm going to get two or three maybe outfits or something and maybe, you know, us ladies, we got to try on at least 10, <laughs> at least. 
And when I would try on more than I intended to get because I'm just trying on to see what I want, every, t- every time I would come out and something I tried on, he'd say, do you want that? Do you want that? He was so generous with me. Do you want that? Do you want that? And I'd say, no, 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 I don't want this. Or, yes, I do want this. When he would ask me, do you want that, never once did he say, well, did you bring your money? When he would ask me if I wanted it, it's because he's offering to pay for what I like. When God said to me, do you want that building? It's because he was offering to pay for something if I was large enough to ask large. And then in driving by that building that day, he spoke again to me and said, faith can have it. Notice he didn't say money can have it. He said, faith can have it. I want you to know faith can have what money never can buy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Do you know the home I'm living in? There are many people that tried to buy that home from the four square denomination. They would not sell it to them. They had the money for it, but they wouldn't sell it. Why? They didn't have the favor. But God told me that was my house. And when I approached him, the pastor said, I've heard of you you and your husband. He says, I'll sell it to you. See why? Because faith could have what money couldn't buy. I don't care what money you have or don't have. There's been faith put in you. Start spinning that faith. Start asking large. Start believing large. Amen. Ladies, if there's a home you've been wanting... Go after it and get real, get real vulgar about how you're going to decorate the thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got the home that I just moved out of. I've got it on the market right now. And you know what the Spirit of God said to me? And I was telling this to Pastor Angel on the way over here. The Spirit of God said to me, take the time between now until the time the home sells to enlarge yourself. Well, I knew what he was saying because when I sell that home, I'm going to renovate the, the home that I'm in now. And he was wanting me to think larger on my renovation. Well, let me tell you what, I've gotten real vulgar about it now. In, in fact, the quicker he pays it off, the cheaper it'll be. So the longer before that house sells, we're going to go even more and more and more and more. Amen. Why? I want to offend every cheap devil. Listen, we have more than enough examples in the body of Christ of people living beneath. We don't need anybody else in that category. We need somebody living in the fullness of what God has made ours and made available to us. And it comes when we start desiring for more. Amen. How do you desire more? Get around something more than what you have. I mean, Ed and I, there was one time because we were getting ready to buy an airplane and he said, you know what? I, I'm looking at a certain jet. He said, let's rent the jet. There was a certain jet he was looking at. And as soon as we got in there, I said, I got faith for it now. I got in it. You see, once I rode in it, once I set myself in it and, and you know, stroking the leather and all that kind of stuff and, and got to ride in it real good. All of a sudden, my desire increased based on what I sat in. How do you increase your desire? Get around somebody who's got more than what you got. Get in homes that are better than what you've lived in. Amen. Drive cars nicer than what you've ever driven before. You say, but you don't understand. That stuff's not important to me. I'm, I'm above that. You're not above that. You need to be demonstrating that. Amen. 
What did Paul tell Timothy? Be an example. And he said in all these different ways. And he said an example in faith. Well, if you have an example in faith, then people ought to see what your faith produced. Listen, if we can't produce it with things that show up in the natural realm, how, do, how are we going to produce it with things that show up only in the spirit realm? Amen. Listen, there's more for us. But we have to desire. Notice what Jesus said, what things ever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Your faith will never ask for any larger than you desire. Amen. Sometimes people just need to enlarge what they're desiring. Amen. I've learned this as a pastor. Uh, you, you just got to get people to where they don't get rutted. You've got to keep constantly making changes. I told our congregation, we will always have a project going. We will always have something. Why? To keep your faith moving, to keep your faith stretching, to have a momentum with your faith, because whether or not you're in faith determines how far this church can go. Amen. So when your pastors present you an option, you also thank, thank your pastor for giving us a, a project and said, oh my gosh, we're doing another fundraiser. Or, oh my gosh, they're asking for something else. <laughs> Listen, faith is always looking for the next thing. I said, faith is always looking for the next thing. Asking larger. Amen. And I love the phrase Smith Wigglesworth said, extravagant asking. Amen. Now, when I looked up this word, when we see this, I looked up his words here, extravagant asking. I looked in the dictionary. I wanted to find out what does that involve. And I found four definitions for this word extravagant. And I liked it because really it's the same as abundance. Wouldn't you say abundance and extravagant is much of the same flow? And so this word extravagant, the first, de- the first definition of it is, number one, more than is necessary. Now, doesn't that sound like abundance? More than is necessary. Number two, the definition, exceeding the bounds of reason. Ooh, I like that one. Now, we're going to come back and visit each one of these, but I want to give you these four. Number three definition for the word extravagant, going beyond what is deserved. Number four, wandering beyond boundaries. So number one, the first definition of extravagance was this, more than is necessary. Listen, God wants you to have more than what you need. If you don't have more than what you need, you're living beneath what God's provided for you. Why? You heard the pastor get up and say it during the praise and worship. God, God is more than enough. More than enough. If you're only got enough for what you need, you can't be a blessing to anybody else because you consumed it all on yourself. Meaning this, that to only think and ask God based on what is needed is to miss the mark. If you only, if, let's say this, let's say if you needed $60,000 a year to come in and you just believe in God for $60,000 a year because that's all your bills total, you've missed the mark. Because God is more than enough. He wants more than enough to come in because he wants you to not only have your needs met, he wants you to fund something. He wants you to produce something. Amen. So extravagance is asking for more than what you need. In other words, what, what do you need? Bump it up in your asking. Number two, it says the definition of this word extravagant is exceeding the bounds of reason. Listen, what's he talking about with reason? He's talking about the the mind of man. How far you can reason and calculate. Reason has boundaries to it. 
Did you know that? You start just living by what you can reason out, and you're going to hit boundaries. You're going to hit walls. You're going to hit limits. The reasonings of the mind will limit you, but to have extravagant asking, we have to go beyond the mental calculations of the mind. You'll never have abundance just by living within what you can calculate in your mind. You've missed the whole point. Amen. Don't let mental calculations dictate your level of asking. So many people just calculate and they only ask on based on what they calculated. But if you'll allow the faith that's in your spirit take you into a, take you into abundance. Listen, your spirit wants things that your mind cannot figure out. God will speak things to your spirit. I don't know how in the world God is going to pay for that building he offered. But that's not my problem. He didn't ask me that. He asked me if I wanted it. So I know this. He must be picking up the tab or he wouldn't have asked. He needs somebody with faith enough to say yes to something more than that they can reason out. Amen. Can I tell you what a renewed mind does? A renewed mind gets out of the way of your spirit. It gets out of the way. It steps aside so that your spirit can just, can just take the lead. There's, the faith of God is not in your brain. Don't let your brain stop you. Your calculations, there's no faith in that. The faith of God is in your spirit. A renewed mind gets out of the way so that what's in your spirit can flow unhindered. An unrenewed mind gets right in the way and blocks what's in your spirit. Won't let it happen. Won't let it reach for more. Won't let it desire more. Won't let it, won't let it long for more. Amen. But uh, how do you ask large? Get your mind renewed. Amen. Praise the Lord. The mental arena will never take you where your faith can take you. So don't let your, don't ask just in based on what the mental arena is. Amen. I, uh, several years ago, my brother, he's a pastor and he was telling me, he, uh, he was just telling me about a, uh, about an experiment that he had read about in a newspaper. And uh, in that experiment, they had a huge fish tank. And they, they, you know, filled it up with all the hiding places the fish loves, you know, the little caves and all the little plants and all that stuff. And they fully furnished it. And then they just put one fish in it, just one small fish. And that fish just swam the whole length of that thing. And they let him swim that for weeks and weeks all by himself, just letting him just explore every bit of that. So he went through every bit of that and just, and just knew what was present in that tank. And so they left him like that for several weeks. After a period of time, they just took a glass wall and they dropped it right down halfway between, right, right in the middle of that fish tank. And so that fish, he, he could see to the other side because it was a clear wall they, they put in. He could see where he used to go, you know. And so he just swims over to that and runs into that and hits that with his nose because he's expecting that he can go over there and he hits it. And he did that several times and he bounced the back off of it. And after several days, he even quit even going up to that wall. And he just stayed and here there was this whole fish tank, but there, were, there was a limit there now. And so he just stayed, and he didn't go near that wall anymore. And they left it there for several weeks until he didn't even approach that wall. And then after several weeks, they lifted the wall, and he just still just kept swimming here because he assumed that limit was still there. Listen, before you were born again, it put limits on you. The way you thought, the way you were raised, 
the kind of income your family had or the kind of things you enjoyed, it put a wall right there. And so many people, are they just, they just quit even going there. They even quit going out of that little circle they're raised in. And I want you to know the thing is, once you're born again, all the limits are gone. There's a whole tank in there for you to swim in. There is so much available to you, but it's being led by your spirit and your mind won't lead you to, to where you've never been before. Amen. Quit living like you're not a renewed creature in Christ. Amen. All of us need to be asking larger. Going into places we have never even dared to think of. Has God spoken to different ones about starting a business? I mean, just go there boldly. If the Spirit of God leads you. Listen, the Spirit of God will not lead you beyond your measure of faith. But if He leads you, it's because you've got the faith to go there. And when He said to me, Do you want this building? Evidently, that's letting me know I must have the faith for that building or he wouldn't have offered that thing to me. Amen. And I said to God, I said to him, and you understand how I said it because the Bible says we're co-laborers with God. That means he has a role, but I have a role. And I know this, that I can't do his part, but he can't do my part. So I said to him, I said, God, regarding the building, how shall we do this? You know, like what, how, how, as co-laborers together, how shall we do this? And then he answered me back and he said, he said, not how shall we do it, but we shall do it. In other words, he removed the question. He removed the word that made it a question. And so now whenever the temptation comes, where are you going to get the money from? We shall do it. And that's my answer to it. We shall do it. We shall do it. And every day I say, we shall do it. Why? Because God needs someone who will talk larger than they can afford. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So that second, the second definition of this word extravagant is exceeding the bounds of reason. If you're going to live based on what only your mind can calculate, you're going to live less than what God has for you. The third thing that, he, that this definition, the third definition of this word extravagant, going beyond what is deserved. I tell you what, so many people limit their asking because of their own feelings of inadequacy. In pastoring, one of the things I have to help people with is a bad self-image. Because when you run into someone with a bad self-image, it's very difficult to get them to receive healing. It's difficult to get them to receive provision. It's difficult to get them to receive the help that really belongs to them because they're measuring the receiving based on their feelings of of adequacy. But I want you to know here it says going beyond what is deserved. Listen, God moved us into what we didn't deserve. Amen. We, We got moved into what Jesus deserves. Amen. That Morgan and Stephen, God gave them a wonderful home, and it's a, it's a lovely home. And uh, one of the things Morgan said, she said, I struggled with at the age that we're at because, you know, it's a million-dollar home. And she said, here we are 30 years old, and it's a million-dollar home. And I'm not saying that to brag. You know, California prices are up. You understand. There, you have to deal with larger numbers. But not too many 30-year-olds have their own million-dollar home. And she said, you know, I really struggled with am I being 30, do I really deserve a home of that, of that, of that value? And I said, now see, that, that's old man thinking. Because your pastor there in High Springs 
for, all, for over 20 years put something into you. Then you've been out here and we've been putting into you. And if you can't surpass us at 30 when you had a better head start than us, something's wrong. You should not think something's wrong because you got it. Something would be wrong if you couldn't have it. Because of all that has been put in you from birth. Amen. The people get into this. Well, I, you know, I, I, I just, we didn't have very much growing up. That, you, you got to quit talking about your old family and talk about your new family. You'll never ask extravagantly. You'll never want more if all you think about is what you were raised in. God gave you a new start. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, not just spiritual things, all things have become new. You've got new options you didn't have before you were saved. You've got new opportunities offered to you that if faith can move into them, if you'll, if you'll go there. Amen. How many of you know that many people say, well, and listen, this is something I know. My husband struggled with this because he never finished high school. You know, he quit school in 10th grade and he said, well, I'm not educated. And I mean, there were times he had to deal with this lack of education. I said, listen, I've gone to school with people that graduated college stupid as a rock. Dumb as a rock. They couldn't make a living. They couldn't put two coins together and rub them together. I said, it's not about education. Uh, the way I was raised, you know, all, all four of the kids, all four, of, there were four kids in our family. All my, my two brothers and sister, they all graduated. I'm the one that didn't graduate, you know. And uh, the thing is, because my family prized, they, they, they put a, a certain value on education. But what was prized in our home was good old horse sense. Just having good old common sense. I tell you what, God gave you good sense that you can, that'll get you a good far away if you won't, if you won't let your mind stop you and if you won't let what you were raised in stop you. And I used to tell my husband, I don't care if you got it, you're educated or not, there's more stupid people that paid a lot for their, life, their education. They're stupider now than they, when they went in. I'm not trying to devalue education, but I'm just saying it's not, like, it's on, not all it's cracked up to be in, the, in, the, in, this, in this flow of life. Amen. So it's not about if you're educated enough because uh, your faith in God will take you beyond what your education tells you you can have. Faith in God will take you beyond what your social status or what kind of home you were born into. Well, I wasn't born in a Christian home. So what? It's not your start that matters. It's what you're doing today that matters. Amen. Well, you know, I'm not, just not as smart as, as some people. Listen, it's not about how smart you are. It's not your IQ. You get this because you're in Christ, not because you're in the, in the, in the advanced class at school. Amen. And, and I, I would say this. More people think more of what they're not in themselves than of who they, who they have been made to be in Him. They put more emphasis on what they're not in themselves than emphasizing what they've been made to be in him. If he says, I can do it, I can do it. If he says, I can have that building, I can have it. Amen. Then the fourth definition is this, wandering beyond boundaries. You know there's boundaries all around you. The economy is a boundary, isn't it? The economy will say, you can't do this during this time, you can't do that during this time. What was it, Jacob, who planted the time of famine and received a hundredfold harvest? Why? Because he went out beyond the boundaries of the economy. Yeah, and what about the, the boundaries of your profession? 
Because they'll say, well, you can only have this amount of money. You might can only have that amount of money through your profession, but God will give you one divine idea that will take you beyond the boundaries of what your profession puts on you. What about the boundaries of your salary? You know, since Ed went home to be with the Lord, I haven't raised my salary. And do you know, I, have, I, I am now, except for I, one more transaction, and I'm completely out of debt, personally. Completely out of, listen, that's not the way it started three years ago. And God, why? Because God just kept bringing it in and bringing it in and bringing it in. And I told, I told the, in fact, that my board said, we want to raise your salary to where you're at least getting what, because you need to be getting what Ed was getting as well because you're doing his job and your job and all that. And I said, I understand that. We can put that in the minutes that I can take that, but I'm not going to take it right now. And I said, because right now I'm seeing God demonstrate abundance without it. And I want to keep seeing that demonstration. I'm enjoying that demonstration. Amen. What about, what about the boundaries of people around you? You know, people around you say, I, I, I remember this. I, I said when I was about eight years old, I, I remember saying to someone, I said, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. They go, oh, yeah. Well, here I am. <laughs> Just because you can't think of it and you can't reach for it doesn't mean I can't. Yeah, right. Amen. Well, all you talk about is money. Listen, I'm talking about producing something so that you can, if you're not good at producing for your own life, how are you going to produce for your local church? How are you going to produce for the kingdom? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So doesn't it make sense when Smith Wigglesworth made the statement that God is pleased when we ask large? Amen. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Joshua chapter 14, then we'll close with this. Joshua chapter 14. Listen, when, when God told me that he was going to give me the home I'm in today, you know what I did? Every day I'd go and sit and drive. Every day I was home, I'd go and sit in front of that thing and I'd talk to that house. And I'd look at it. And I'd plan. And I got pictures of the thing. You know, because they'd give us tours. And so I would get pictures when we'd go through on the tours. I didn't want the woman to see. I mean, I'm opening up closets. I'm doing everything. Because God had already told me that was my house. Just nobody else knew that, you know. The owners didn't know that yet. And because and, it wasn't up for sale. And... Uh, I, had over, I have over 500 pictures. So I would sit every night before I'd go to bed and I'd plan how, what this room is going to look like and what this room is going to look like. What am I doing? I'm getting my insides large enough to lay hold of that thing. And so I'd go and I'd sit in front of that thing and I'd talk to it and I'd talk to it and I'd dream about it and I would desire and I would just keep feeding that and feeding that. How do you get more? You're going to have to put yourself in a position to where you see more so you can have more. Amen. And so here I want you to see this uh, in Joshua chapter 14. And uh, we're going to start reading in, in verse 6. Now, you know, coming up to this, Joshua is one, of course, Caleb and Joshua were sent with the other spies to spy out the land that Moses had sent. Joshua and Caleb came back and says, we can do it. The Lord is with us. We can do it. He said, those giants, yeah, there's giants in the land, but they're food for us. In other words, the more giants we eat, the stronger we get. Amen. 
Listen, when God offers you something and you say yes to it, you're, you're saying yes to the challenges. You might as well recognize you're going to have challenges. When God said, do you want that building? I knew this. I'm saying yes, not just to the building, but to the challenges that are co- going to come with getting in that building. But when you decide that those giants are your friend and you start eating those things up, then you get to be a giant yourself. You know, Lillian B. Yeomans, she was a medical doctor and she was raised up off her deathbed and then she went to teaching divine healing for the next 45 years of her life. And so some of the Bible school students, because she taught at Amy Simple McPherson's Bible School there in Los Angeles. And one of the Bible school students said, uh, Sister Yeomans, do you believe in dieting? She said, I sure do, because having been a medical doctor, you know, she was well acquainted with the, the benefits of dieting. She said, do you believe in dieting? She said, I sure do. She says, I believe in dieting on giants. Every single one that comes your way, eat it up and grow strong. <laughs> Amen. There are a lot of people who don't want the opposition that's going to come with asking large. But if you want to produce something, you're going to have to ask large and look at giants as your friend, not to pile up with them, but to eat up on them. Yeah. Amen. And Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. But the other said, we can't do it. And so Moses told Caleb, he said, because you followed the Lord, he said, God's going to give you the land. And then after Moses had died, and now Joshua's in the leadership position, we see Caleb come up to Joshua, and we're looking at verse 6. It says, And the people of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea? Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to scout out the land, and I brought him a report as it was in my heart. Notice, not a report that was in his reasoning. He gave a report of what he believed on the inside of him. In verse 8, But my brethren who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, Surely the land on which your feet have walked shall be an inheritance to you and your children always, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Listen, what you desire doesn't just affect you, it affects your children. You know why Stephen and Morgan can have the home that they have at the age they have? Because they saw us and your pastors demonstrate that to them. What we believe for, they got to come into also. Amen. If you want, if you want small, that'll affect your children also. Verse, uh, verse 10. And now behold the Lord, I love this phrase, the Lord has kept me alive. Listen. He watched every man of his generation die off. He could, have, he could have begun to question if he was going to live to see this thing come to pass. But he said, the Lord kept me alive. While he watched everyone else die, he said, not me. Now, the, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old, yet I am as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now for war. Look at this, for war, not for a rocking chair. For war. In other words, I'm looking, to, I'm looking for the next fight. 
So is my strength now for war to go out and to come in. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke that day. For you heard then how the giant like Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. Notice this. He's saying the guys he's going to fight, they're not just men. These are giants. And he said, I want the land the giants are in. And notice he doesn't say that the, for the city. He said the cities. He can only live in one city at a time, but he wants them all. Listen, when I bought the home I have, it came with nine lots. Since then, I bought another one. But the whole, the the entire home, it's on top of a hill and it's surrounded by all these vacant lots. I told God I want them all. I can't live on them all, but I want them all. Why? Because if I don't get it, the sinner get it. I might as well have it. I don't just want what I live in. I want what I, everything I can see. Amen. Amen. And so notice this. He goes on and he said that there's giants there and the cities were great and fortified. If the Lord will be with me, I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb. And so you see that he got what he was after. I love something that Dr. Summerall said. He said, at 85, give me a mountain full of giants and I'll slay them and fertilize the earth with their carcasses. In other words, the older I get, I'm not scaling back. The older I get, I'm fighting bigger things than I've ever fought before. I'm going after more than I've ever had before. Listen, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, not duller and duller. Not dimmer and dimmer. I tell you what, as the, as the path of this church grows, grows older and older, you should be going for more and more and more and more and more. But if you're just okay with where you're at, you'll, you'll end up not occupying land and, and what God had for you. And, and that's, so, that's, so, that's so easy for flesh just to be okay with where we're at. But I don't know about you. I could have stopped when my husband died. I could have said, you know what? I'm just going to take the part I have, and I'm just going to sell my house, and I'm just going to live comfortably. But God had something more, and I want more. I said, I want more. I want to be an example of not only extravagant asking, but extravagant receiving. Amen. I want God to have an example he can point at and say, if she can do it, you can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you helped tonight? Stirred up to ask for more. Stirred up to believe for more. Stirred up to lay hold of more. Because so much belongs to us. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.